particular young man asked him, he said, I recognize that you are highly intelligent, well-respected across the country. And he said, Cornell West, he said, I am the smartest person in my class. He said, but he said, I have no drive and ambition. He said, I live 
in a community where it seems to be more advantageous to hustle and live in the streets and uh, try to deal and uh, get away with the things I see many people do. And he said, what was it that uh, enabled you to feel like uh, you deserve something better than that? And he talked about, Cornel West talked about his father's influence in his life, his mother's and those who influenced him. But ultimately, the young man had concluded that for him, that that life or living a successful life did not seem to be much of a possibility, even with him being as smart as he was. I bring that up because we live in a time and we live in a situation and space where many young people, many African-Americans, young men and men, feel very uh, distraught and discouraged. The current context of what we live in and where our country has been headed and where it is currently headed right now. Right. It has been often stated that perhaps the most misunderstood person in the world mm -hmm. might be the African-American right. man. Yeah, right. That throughout our history, through our whole existence in this country, it seemed that it has been for the African-American man one challenge after another. And as we, we consider this month, as we take a moment uh, this month and across the length and breadth of our country, we're called to be reminded of contributions of African-Americans and the history from which we've come and the future we desire to have. Uh, today, I want to give us a harsh word and reminder that much of our success, of course, as we look to God, will come through what God does through the African-American man. Yeah, yeah. And I want to suggest to you today that while maligned and even often criticized, that we have to today even take a moment to see and examine the life and the struggle of the African-American man. And perhaps even today, reevaluate what God may desire to do through the life of the African-American male. I'm not here today to demean, of course, the contributions uh, now or at any point of the African-American woman because we recognize her contributions now and all time. Yeah. But I firmly believe, I firmly believe that it has been strategic and even satanic of nature the attack that often African-American men and males go through in this country. Right. And I believe the reason for that is because the enemy knows that if God ever gets the heart and mind of the African-American man, the plight and condition of the African-American community will totally turn around. I want to suggest some things to you today from this very familiar and pertinent text and I believe it speaks volumes to us today about uh, the toxic relationships that exist within the life of the African-American man that causes him often to have such a great struggle in his life. Come on, if you'll give me a little time, I believe all the right, Lord wants right. to say Come something to us today. Jesus Christ in, in Mark 5 had just... Uh, come across the Sea of Galilee. If you will remember 
uh, this story in Mark 4, you will remember they're coming across the Sea of Galilee, he and his disciples. And you will remember that during this journey that they got caught up in a storm uh, where the Sea of Galilee is situated. It often would have storms. And while they're on their journey uh, in Mark 4, they experience this storm. And if you remember, uh, they queried Jesus. Jesus is asleep on a pillow. And the Bible said they went to him and asked him, Master, don't you care that we perish? And you remember, Jesus rebuked his disciples. Then he rebuked the winds and the waves and told them, Peace, be still. And they looked around and saw the magnitude of what he had done. And, and, and the question was raised, What manner of man is this? Right. Jesus gets to the other side. Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says, immediately after confronting a storm of nature, he now confronts a, a storm of humanity. Yeah. And let me, let me try to lift three, uh, I believe, existing relationships within this text and the problematic way in which they exist, and, and I promise you I'll be done. The first thing I want to show you is what I want to call his problem with society. Uh, notice, notice in, in Mark 5, uh, beginning at verse 1, when Jesus uh, comes off the ship, the Bible says he finds a man who is living, the Bible says, in the tombs. He's living in a place where dead people reside. This man has... Uh, uh, what I want to call an, an existing relationship with society that's not a healthy relationship. In other words, he is living in isolation. He's living apart from the normal places and existence of society. And he has now abandoned himself away from where many people reside and live, and he has now come to the cemetery. Notice, notice his, his dwelling place. Notice the Bible called it the tomb. It's, it's the place where people are buried. I, I, I thought about when I was reading this text, I, I thought about how at, at every funeral um, on the back of the program, there are usually at least four to six or more people listed who are pallbearers. Right. Uh -huh. who will help carry the body to be buried. Yeah. And I thought about how thought about how easy it is to get somebody to carry you and bury you. Right. But but what if you had somebody who would lift you rather than bury you? What 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 what, what blessing would it be in the average young man's life? If he had six people committed to lifting him rather than burying him, uh, it's no problem. I've never even even if somebody 
uh, was programmed to be a pallbearer and they don't show up, it's easy to find somebody to help bury you. But it's hard to find somebody to help carry you and lift you. And here it is, this man has become comfortable living in a dead place where people are either dead or they're bringing somebody who's dying or dead and burying them in the cemetery. Come on now. Notice his, his dwelling place. And then that day, uh, often people would be buried in caves. And, and, and often because some did not have proper houses and homes, many people sometimes would live in, in the cave because they did not have a proper residence. But this man um, was willingly, knowingly living in the cemetery, uh, of every every uh, every every grave is, is an indication of of woulders and coulders and shoulds. Yeah, yeah. What what would have been? Yeah. What could have been? Mm-hmm. What should have been? And he has become comfortable living around dead people. Yeah. People who are going nowhere, not doing anything. That's good. And literally, life has been exhausted. Right. No, no, notice, notice his dwelling place. But then I want also want you to notice his his, his diagnosis. Look, look, look at what the text says. The, the, the text says that no man could bind him. In, in other words, in other words, society has diagnosed him, and society has decided the best solution to deal with him is to try to lock him up. Put chains on him. And and he won't be a threat to society. Put him out here. Chain him up. And and let him live out here in chains and in shackles. And the Bible says, Bible says no man. In other words, every time they tried to lock him up, he had the power to break the chains. It, it, it was binding. Can, can I say this? Can I say this to y'all? That if you're not careful, what society will do is diagnose you. Yeah, right. In other words, society will tell you who you are. Society will tell you what you're supposed to be. Society will tell you how far in life you're supposed to go because they will look at you and diagnose you. Right. And if you're not careful, you will live based on the diagnosis of society rather than the will of the living God. You'll let society tell you what neighborhood you can live in. You'll let society tell you what what kind of career you can have and where your life can go. All because society likes to look at you and diagnose you. That's why they'll give you all kinds of tags and titles. A D D A D A. They give you all of those things because they want to diagnose you and tell you who you are and what you can and cannot be. That's right. But let me let me tell you. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Can can I say this? Can I say this? That that if you're not careful to define a man, is to confine a man. That's 
Right. In other words, That's when right. you tell me who I am, you're telling me the limits on what I can be. When in all reality, you don't know what all I can be because you didn't make me. Y'all ain't hear nothing I'm saying. See, what happens What happens in this life is we get labeled. And what labels do is limit you. That's right. Labels tell you what you can do and what you cannot do. But this man had so much strength. Even though they bound him, the chains could not confine him. Here's what I'm trying to tell y'all. In all reality, the African-American man has more power and possesses more than even he can imagine. But here's the other issue. Society, I wish I had time to talk about this. Society would rather imprison you than empower you. That's right. Right. They, they'd rather lock you up than lift you up. Y'all right. 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 Wouldn't it be amazing if the investments that are made in, in the prison system in our country, if that money was taken to lift up rather than to lock up? But that's the side. Nobody tried to change the man. They just wanted to change him. No, no, nobody tried to help better his condition. They just tried to bind him up. So here he is. He's got this major problem with society. Uh, 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 David Dinkins, former mayor of New York, said in terms of this whole idea of how society looks after African-American man, he said, he said a white man with a million dollars is a millionaire. But he says a black man with a million dollars is a nigga with a million dollars. In other words, society will always confine you but because it's trying to define you. Ralph Ellison, and I would encourage you when you get time to, to look at it, Ralph Ellison uh, has a book called The Invisible Man where he talks about how the world will look at the black man uh, physically, but not psychologically, will not see anything beyond his skin color. And all he will see is who he is by the content of the color on his skin. Notice this man's problem with society. Some years ago, mid-20th century, American elite universities and scientists, they came to the conclusion that because of certain physical attributes, the African-American man, the African-Americans were inferior intellectually. And they began to paint this idea within our culture and help people think that we were, in other words, predisposed to crime because we were intellectually inferior. What am I? What am I saying today? That often, while the African American man has tried to find his way in society, there has often been a struggle. Yeah. But not only, not only that, not only that. That's a hold you too long. He has this issue with society, but then there is an issue with himself. Now notice. His disposition. Notice the Bible says he was a man with an unclean spirit. 
He was morally and ethically unclean because of where he was living and how he was living because of the dead bones that were all around him. He is an unclean man, but internally is letting us know that his spirit is dirty. Yeah. That the inside of the man is is dirty. He, he, he his disposition is evil. He he's an evil man by nature. If I had a little time, I would say all of us are evil by nature. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But not only do I want you to notice his disposition, but notice his distinction. The Bible says always. In other words, his pattern daily was to go up to the mountain, go down to the cemetery, and cry out day and night. In other words, all he's known for is daily crying out in the mountains and down in the valley. But then notice his dialogue. The Bible says he was crying out. It, it, literally, it literally means that he was crying out, but no one could understand what he was saying. Um, he, was, he was sending out something, but he was not understood. In, in other words, he was not clearly articulating any particular message. He was just crying out. I want to I wanna say this, y'all. And, 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 and I will say this uh, with my heart. I believe heavily that often when we look at our young people, that often what we're seeing is not necessarily bad behavior. I believe sometimes they're crying out. Yeah. I, I believe sometimes even men and even in, in, a, in a trial of trying to be understood, I think often... Their behavior is an indication of trying to cry out and for somebody to understand. Yeah. If you've never, you've never been in somebody's shoes, you don't know the struggle of what they're really dealing with. And sometimes all somebody really wants is for somebody just to understand what they're really going through. Uh, everybody wants to chain the man. Everybody wants to abandon him away from regular society, but nobody understands him. That's right. Yeah. Nobody tries to see how he got where he is. You know, you know what? You know what? Uh, I'm going to move because it looks like I'm getting on y'all nerve. But do you know, you know what I thought about when I read the text? See, see some people will raise questions when uh, people go off or go off the deep end. But but here is the question I think you may want to ask sometime. When somebody goes off the deep end, it, it, the question you may want to ask is, how many times did they get pushed to the edge and they didn't go over the deep end? How many times have they struggled to try to keep it together? You, you got all kind of stuff coming at you and you trying to uh, hold it together. Okay, okay. Y'all playing with me. Let, let me put it like this. Grandmaster Flash. Y'all remember him? Uh, Grandmaster Flash put it in poetic fashion when he said, don't push me. 
I'm close to the edge. He said, I'm trying not to lose my head. He said, like a chuckle sometimes make me wonder how I keep from going. All I'm trying to tell y'all is sometimes there's so much pressure, we ought to be celebrating that somebody just now went off the deep end because they could have gone over a long time ago. How much pressure daily pressure has been placed on this man? How much pressure daily has he had to go through all the expectations and all the things other people have placed on him and now when he loses it, everybody has something, yeah. something to say. Yeah. But, but how many times did he hold it together with all the pressure? was coming up against him. I'm going to leave y'all alone. I'm going to leave y'all alone. But this text tells us another word, and I want to move to my close. It tells us a word about his decision making. The Bible says he's in the tomb. He, he's crying out daily. But the Bible says he is cutting himself. It literally means cutting up himself. In other words, he has a bunch of self-inflicted scars that he can blame on no one but but himself. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. have you ever thought about the fact that often when we are in uncomfortable circumstances and situations in particular, I would suggest for the African-American man, some of the most harm we've done is not to others. It has often been to ourselves. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And many of the decisions we've made have hurt no one more than they've hurt us. Right. Yeah. Often we've made decisions that were detrimental to our own life, cutting ourselves over and over again. I had I had a chance a few years ago. I think I've told you this. I had a chance to finally meet the man that had messed up my life. One day, I, I was brushing my teeth, looked in the mirror, and realized the fella that had made all the bad decisions that had put me in compromising situations and circumstances was not living on the other side of town. He was not living on the other side of the country. I was looking at him in the mirror every day. Come on now. Come on. And I had no one to blame for my life but myself because I had inflicted scars on myself that was no one's fault but my own. God made man for four purposes. To love him, to love others, to tend to the culture, and to help build up the kingdom. And whenever man is not fulfilling his God-given purpose, he will find himself missing out something in his life. E.W. E. Bishop said, that the greatest danger for black men in America is not a police officer, not somebody in a blue uniform. The greatest danger to us is another black man. That often our greatest hurt has come from ourselves. 
few years ago, 1981, in California, they sent out a message across the airwaves to a young man, who, an individual who had stolen a car. And, and they were trying to tell the individual who had stolen the car. There was in this car a pack of crackers. And the pack of crackers had been laced with poison because the owner had noticed that some rat or something was in his car. And he was putting it, putting a pack of crackers there laced with poison to kill the rat. And he wanted whoever had stolen the car to know, don't eat the crackers. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and here is here is a man harming himself. And all the message Jesus wants to send is, don't push me away. I'm here to help you. Yeah. 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 I got I to quit. I got to quit. But we see, we see his problem with society. We see problem with self, but then we even see a problem with the Savior. Notice, notice something, y'all. This is this is literally, y'all. This is mind blowing. But I, but I want you to see it. I want you to get this. And if you get it, it'll be the sooner we can move along. Look at look at the text. Look at the text. And the Bible tells us that. When the man saw Jesus, the Bible says he ran and worshipped him. Here is a man, demoniac in nature, but when he saw Jesus, uh, uh, the, 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 the words uh, prosukio, uh, uh, literally meaning um, he lay prostrate. Got, got on his knees and worshiped Jesus. Demoniac in nature, cutting himself. But when he saw Jesus, y'all ain't getting it. When he saw the Savior, something happened that caused him to bow down. And what there is, there is, there is this internal struggle, I would suggest. Um, that there's a part of him that wants. To maintain the devil in him. But there is a part of him that recognizes a need to worship. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he wants to still be a devil, y'all. <laughs> but, but, but there's a part of him that cannot deny that in his presence is one that is worthy of worship. Yes, yeah. In verse 6, verse 6. Verse 6, the Bible says, he bowed down and worshipped him. And, 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 and I would suggest to you that the man had, had some death with, with what he did. I wish he had time. Uh, and, and verse 6, he saw Jesus and he worshipped. And, and here's, here's what the text says that he, that he did. That he, did. He, he, first of all, um, he, he recognized um, who Jesus was, y'all. Yeah. Because the Bible says... Um, he, he cried with a loud voice, but, but notice what he called Jesus. He, he called him son of the most high God. He was in, he was in Gentile country, y'all. And, and this was an expression the Gentiles would use 
to acknowledge that while there were other gods yeah. that they might have worshipped, Jesus was son of the most high God. Yes, In other words, there was no him. Yeah. Yeah. There was no God greater than this God. He recognizes who Jesus is. He says, son of the most. But not only does he recognize who he is, he recognizes what he can do. Yeah. Because he says, don't adjure me, or in other words, don't put me in my proper place. Yeah. That's what the devil is saying. The, de the devil, he's literally asking Jesus not to put him in the abyss or the eternal destination of the devil. Yeah. And what it is saying is the enemy realizes that in all his demonic work, Jesus still has power over the enemy. All right. All right. He recognizes that above all else, he does not have the last word. Right. There's recognition, but but then but then there is there is transformation. Bible says Jesus says, "Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit." Jesus speaks to the spirit within the man. And tell them, come out of the land. You remember what Paul said. Paul said in Romans chapter 7. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to hurry up. Uh, Romans 7, Paul said, you know, um, there's some good I know to do that I don't do. Yeah. He said, I know intellectually what's right. Yeah. But I find myself still doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, he said, there's some stuff. Uh, the Lord told me not to do. But I still find y'all playing with me. Anybody else ever been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what the rules say. Yeah. You know what the Bible says. But even though you looked on the paper and you know what was right, you still found yourself doing wrong. Yeah. And this is what he's saying. But Jesus, I, I wish I had time. Jesus knows that the issue is not with the carrier. He knows the issue is with the cause. All right. In other words, he's got to deal with the devil on the inside. Yeah. He recognizes that the man is harming himself, not because of himself, but because of the spirit that's at work within the man. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Why do we keep doing what we know we shouldn't do? There's an enemy on the inside that's trying to destroy every aspect an area of your life. I got to move. I got to move. But then there is there is identification. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. And I, I'm going to leave you alone. Identification. He says, what is your name? Yeah. And he says, my name is Legion. For we are many. Legion was an army of at least 6,000 men. What he is literally saying is, I have become so full of the devil, he has now taken possession of my life. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. It's not just one devil, but he says, I got a bunch of devils in me. Y'all yeah. playing with me, but y'all ever, y'all ever realize that you got several devils working on you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you put down one devil and get halfway under control and look up and you're wrestling with another devil. 
Yeah. Oh, right. uh, uh, all day, all year long, when you got one devil, and this is what the oh, man yeah. is dealing with on a daily basis to the point he no longer identifies himself by his name, he identifies himself by his nature. Yeah, yeah. My name is Legion. I got a bunch of devil men hitting me. I, I, I'm full of the devil. Anybody ever felt like that? And then his emancipation. Jesus sends the demons out of the man into swine, and these swine end up killing themselves. I don't have time to deal with it, but John 10 10 says the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come. That you might have life and have it more abundantly. Right. Here's what I want to tell right. y'all, and hopefully it'll help somebody celebrate this morning. What happened to those pigs is what the devil wanted to happen to the man. That's right. Yeah. Those pigs went over a cliff mm -hmm. and took their own lives because the devil got control of them. And what the enemy wants is not just to mess up your life, he wants to destroy your life. Right. Yeah. Why, why do you see us hurting ourselves? Why do you see our communities ravaged with violence? Because the enemy wants us to destroy ourselves before we can find ourselves. That's right. That's right. But it's that devil on the inside of us. I'm done, but then he gives the man his destination and occupation. Man wants to leave with Jesus, but Jesus says no. I need you to go back home. I need you to go back to the place where you came from. I need you to go back to your old neighborhood. I need you to go back to all the naysayers. I need you to go back to all those folk who saw how crazy you were acting. And when they see the change that has been made in your life and see you what God has done in your life, they'll know it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. He was sitting there, y'all, clothed and in his right mind. That's what the Bible said. He had the right relationship with society. He knew how to carry himself. He had the right relationship with self, but ultimately he had the right relationship with the Savior. I'm done, but here's, here's the problem. They were more afraid of him sitting there cold and in his right mind than they were when he was hurting himself. In other words, what the devil is really afraid of is not you acting a fool. He's afraid of God getting control of your life and living under the power of the Holy Ghost and being everything God called you to be. Because they, they know if he had all that power and there was a power that got his power under control. What kind of power is that? I'm talking about. Yes, sir. Good, good. They're more afraid of that. That's right. I'm done. But y'all, society is afraid of us buying Uzis and uh, they, 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 they'll, they'll make it available. They want you to do it. They want you to do it. What they're afraid of is you learning. 
how valuable God is to your life. That's good, yes. preacher. That's good. Get in your life in order. Understanding the man you're supposed to be. Loving your wife, raising your children, making a contribution to them. That's what he wants you not to do. That's right. He'll let you shoot each other. That's right. Smoke all the stuff you want, drink all. He'll let you literally kill yourself. And that's why you catch the devil when you try to do right. Because he doesn't want you to walk in the destiny. Come on, that's good. That God has ordained for your life. Yeah. D.L. Moody said, "The world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him." And he said, "By God's help, I want to be that man." I'm done, but but every every brother in here ought to want to be that man. Come on, yeah. Holy, and when I say holy, I mean not only H-O-L-Y, but I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y. All of yourself, holy, consecrated to God, given every aspect and area of your life to God, where he can have total control of your life. What would that look like in your home? What would that look like in your community? What would that look like on your job? If we were those kind of men. Saving the black man is not going to be done. Through joining some movement saying. We are the original Israelites. We are this. When you find yourself in Christ. That's when you become. That's right. Everything. God wants you to be. Stand on your feet. Stand on. Good. Go home. Go home. Because the people at home know how messed up you were. Oh, yeah. And nobody can tell your story and tell you about yourself better than the folks who see you behind closed doors. Yeah. Let's say, go home. And when they see you change, they'll know they can change. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God, how we love you and we honor you and we thank you, God, for the change you've made in our lives. And now we pray, oh God. We pray for our young people, God. We pray for our young men. We pray for the enemy to attack on their lives, oh God. I pray for a hedge of protection around them, God. I pray for wisdom beyond their years, oh God. I pray you would put men around them, oh God, who have care and concern for them. God, I pray, I pray today, God, for every man in this place, every home, every family, God. And I pray, God, as you lead us, oh God, we can rightly and responsibly lead our homes. Bless us today, God. Show us what's not right with us, oh God. 
give us a willingness this day to submit to your spirit and let you have total control over our lives, God. Thank you, God. That, that God, you can do it today, God. All power in your hand, oh God. And you can, you can change us, God. You can fix us. Even today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You could be here today in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ. This man is an example of the transformation he can take with your life. Where your destiny, your eternity is changed completely by submitting yourself to the Almighty God. If you need relationship today, believe in Jesus Christ as God's Son. Died for your sins. Rose on the third day. If you, you need that relationship today, give your life today. Give your heart today. He'll save you today. And then you may need fellowship, may be saved, but need a church, need a place you can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will you come, will you come on campus, online if you're watching or listening if you'll inbox us, we will do our due diligence to lead you to faith in Jesus Christ will you come, will you come Relationship for fellowship for prayer. Amen. Thank you. We've done as the Lord has asked, yet there is room. You remain right where you are. I'm going to ask Pastor Allen to come lead us.